What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion of the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, back from a three-week hiatus, Alex Van Aken, and today I'm joined by Marcus Stewart. How are you? I'm doing good. I kept the seat warm from you while you were gone. You did. The, seat, uh, the podcast is still intact. I cleaned everything up for you before you got home. Uh, Thank you. Didn't Thank throw you. any wild parties, like you said. Yep, yep. You you followed my instructions to a T. That's what I do. Except for, uh oh, I don't know. I was gonna. I was trying to come up with a joke and I couldn't. I'm tired, y'all. <laughs> I was like, I've been traveling for three weeks. I was like, was it gonna be the gag of like the kid that says he didn't throw a party and his parents are like, good, and then all of a sudden like a closet what happened? Yeah, opens up and all this stuff over. falls out that he yeah. shoved in there at the last minute. <laughs> no, no. Um, I had a great joke teed up in my brain. I completely forgot it because I'm tired. Okay. Um, but it is good to be back, Marcus. Thank you for holding down the fort. Uh, I did listen to uh, the last episode. I had a really good time listening to it. Talking about y'all were talking about all the Fortnite stuff. I, you know, I had to tune in. Jesse was on. Uh, Kyle, how are you? How you doing? I haven't talked to you. I'm good. I'm I'm also tired, but I feel like I have less of an, an excuse than you. Like I, I like, mean, weren't you in Thailand? Yeah. Is that what I you got? Went? Yeah, I went to Thailand and I I got back last week, like Wednesday night. But I'm still like waking up at like four o'clock in the morning. I don't I mean, know why. That's a long flight. So I mean, oh yeah, no, yeah, you know, it was it was that's, it was pretty far. Cool. We found out it was the longest single flight you can take out of Minneapolis because we went to Korea and then to Thailand. Yeah, uh, so that was a good time. Did you go, so you went west then, right? Uh, yes, I went west yeah, across the Pacific. Yeah, it was a good good time in the plane. I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't the fun part of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle goes west. Michael, yo, special guest Michael Hyam. Hi, uh, how are you? I'm chilling. Thank you for having me. Yeah. What to do, baby? Uh, it's nice to. I talk to Alex every day, so I know literally daily. I should have done a better intro. I'm sorry. I was like, "What's up, man?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's like gaming, a... gaming journalist Michael Hyam of Fanbite and Gamespot yeah. fame. Thank you. Uh, currently a free agent. Yes. Uh, how are you? I'm, I'm Michael Hyam. I'm, I'm chilling. I'm good. Thank you for that intro to let people know that I am the hottest free agent on the block. Uh, I listen to Dodgers. Yo, if y'all got 700 million, I could be your publicist or something. Like, let's go. There you go. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm the Shohei Otani of of the of games media. So snatch up. You said board. it. Ooh. Yeah. Listen, He's got a Disney it. Plus special now. So yours is coming too. I guess. Oh, dang. Get the Disney bucks. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't care how corrupt that money is. <laughs> Today we're gonna be uh we're gonna be talking about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh we're gonna be talking a bit about the finals and then all of our personal top tens. Um so it's gonna be a good episode. Uh fun topics. Uh sh- shall we dive in, y'all, in- into Final Fantasy VII? Yeah. What, why are we talking about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, Alex? Well, Kyle, it's, it's our latest game. It's our latest cover story on Game Informer. Hell yeah. And it, it's got, you know, the iconic Sephiroth and the flames on the cover. Clouds on the the reverse cover. Uh, or the backside, rather. Um, and it, it's it's a rad cover. Uh, the cover story is even better. Uh, me and Brian Shea, uh, who is too busy to be here today, uh, flew out to Tokyo 
uh, day after Thanksgiving. No, no, a couple days after Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, on my it's birthday. Weird I was, I was yeah. on a flight on my birthday. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Do they do birthday celebrations on planes, like restaurants, like because they have all your information? Do they know, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, person thirty two C has a birthday? Let's sing in yeah. front of them. The pilots actually put it all in autopilot and come out and do. do a <laughs> they should do to like steward it, just surrounding you in the hallway. Like, just <laughs> that sounds awful. I'm good. I know. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm already like I'm a big guy. I'm already like trying to like not get hit when they just yell at you like two seconds before they clip you yeah. with the cart. People trying I mean, to sleep would, on would a you plane. Want, they'd have you. to sing because like uh, there's going to be multiple people whose birthday is on any given flight, so they have to like. Like interrupt every like. It was an international flight. I mean, when I so everything they say, they have to repeat in the other language that are represented on the. When I was a restaurant server and we had multiple birthdays, and we would just go on a train from table to table and just sing. So I just assumed you would just do the same. Oh, did you? Did y'all have a like a whimsical birthday song like Happy Happy Birthday? Yeah, I worked at Outback, and it was that. It was that melody, but it was like it was Aussie. It was like Bonza Bonza Birthday Outback something. you don't remember it you don't have it like right off the dome i usually tried to avoid it whenever people were like hey i need singers i pretended to have like doing that nobody likes doing fun event i thought nobody likes doing it i thought i was doing servers a favor by having them sing happy birthday to me you're telling (laughs) me no they're an annoying thing yeah fun fact they're all secretly seething as they do it (laughs) oh no that doesn't sound like a very fun fact (laughs) But yeah, flew to Japan uh, with Shay for uh, we, we went out to Square Enix um, and talked to, oh man, a lot of people, uh, Hamaguchi-san, uh, Nomura, uh, Toriyama, uh, Katase, uh, and Endo, all kind of iconic designers, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of big names. It, it was, it was a really, really cool moment sitting in the room, uh, you know, interviewing, it was in one interview. It was Nomura, Toriyama, and Habaguchi, who is who is the game director. Um, and it was like, wow, this is. I better ask some good questions. Um, <laughs> and I, I think we did. We got a lot into. Uh, we dove deep into the philosophy behind you know this trilogy. And um, you know, Nomura had a lot of interesting things to say about uh, the topic of death. Very poignant. Um, he was. Yeah, he was. You know. I have heard you don't know what you're getting into sometimes when you when you can interview that that man. He's just, you know, yeah, yeah. he's such a, you know, it's a wild horse. Yeah. 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 And uh, for whatever reason, he he chose to uh, to bless us with some knowledge that day. And uh, it was <laughs> about death. He, like you guys about. Yeah, man. He he knows he was, stuff. I, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Did he, did he uh, like grab your shoulder? Be like, listen, son, one of these yeah. days, you're going to have to yeah. you're gonna get old like me. Yeah. yeah, he was like yeah, Barbie. He's but... like, you guys ever think about death? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and rebirth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we also saw uh, some exclusive um, uh, new a new area in the game. So there's Junon, which a lot of people in the preview events uh, and we had like a new gameplay today showing it off. Um, so to the the east of that is what they are calling uh, the Crow's Nest. Um, and it was where a lot of side content happened. Um, and so we kind of got, got a walkthrough of, of that and looked at some, um, some side quests, uh, that were very combat focused. And we got to look at, um, cat cheese, like combat and 
uh there's uh like a new a new f- they, we we're calling it the fat moogle it's just called a moogle but um you know the fat moogle that you can control and there's a lot of different um you know party members in this game obviously but like we got to look at a few of them a, a couple that you know people have already seen in action but it, it was it was it was a lot of fun it I am not a JRPG guy, but you know, I'm our only video person on staff as people know. So, you know, I go on these trips and I don't necessarily, I'm not the, you know, the expert on these, right? But I came away really excited about Rebirth. I think um, number one, it just like, it looks gorgeous. Uh, and I do wanna, I do wanna comment on, uh, I saw some questions in the Twitch chat today during our reveal. People were asking about uh, if certain areas were in the game. Uh, somebody asked if Fort Condor is in the game. It is in the game. Um, we played up pretty much up until that moment in the game. And so we didn't see what happened there. But um, and when we asked, like, is it going to be faithful to what happens in the original? Like, what's that going to look like? And it was one of those, like, please look forward to it. Comments. <laughs> no, sure. <laughs> yeah. Please be excited, um, of course. Well, yeah. Can I ask how yeah. many how many whispers of fate did you see? Ooh. None, not in the area because we were just doing side content. We didn't see any. Oh, I think Marcus means like in the studio. Is like right? Is that what oh you're in the studio? Yeah. A lot of people wearing hoods and yeah, all over the place, <laughs> just yeah. swirling, swirling all over you as you're playing the demo. Yeah, yeah. There was like five around the security guard. <laughs> uh, it was a lot, but overall, like that that game looks you know really really good. I am very excited for it. I I, I played like ten hours of remake. And really enjoyed it and i kind of fell off i think i've after com- coming away from this cover story i'm like okay i've got to play that and finish that over the holidays so that like it really ignited you know i gotta i gotta i gotta play this it yeah it looks gorgeous um i think the most interesting stuff was just like one thing that hamaguchi told me during not during one of our interviews but like we were just talking um afterwards and he said this is the most confident he's ever been in uh, a game um Damn. oh that's interesting okay yeah that's what's up he thinks people are going to lose their mind um at what happens in this game but he's confident like there there's a moment in this he obviously didn't tell me the moment but you know he was saying that like when when they saw it everyone was kind of in awe whoa um, okay and that's right. and after he said that that's when he said this is the most confident i'm i'm so confident in this game is what he told me I mean, when I talked to to them uh, over the summer for the that first preview event that uh, you talked about, you referenced before, and when I asked them why it was two disc, he had sort of that that same I don't want to call it bravado, but I guess it's like that confidence of like, oh yeah, we we needed this to be two disc because we had all these amazing ideas and like we were like, why would we scale back on any of these? Because <laughs> which would would. We would have to if we stuck to a single disc. So that, like the solution was just like, oh no, just put in another disc so we don't have to compromise anything. So it's like we want to blow this out in such a big way. Like it's it seems like just the idea of like of like doing things uh, smaller or even maybe editing <laughs> in a certain way. It, it's kind of like taking a backseat to a bit of like, no, let's just go all out for this second yeah. entry. They know their game is fire. Uh, that's that's wild to to see or to hear. Uh, I mean, based off of Remake, I feel like th- there's been a lot of time between now and Remake. To think that Remake was four years ago or is going to be four years ago when Rebirth comes out. And a lot of those systems are already in place. So it feels like they spent a lot of time on actually like building out 
the seven world in a way that they see fit. And uh, so that that's exciting to hear um, because, I mean, I feel like Remake just has a like a weird development history, like going back to when it was first revealed on PS3. So now that they're kind of it seems like they're hitting their stride, they're very confident in the direction they're taking it. Uh, that's cool to hear. And I mean, everyone's going to have all Final Fantasy fans are going to have something to say about whatever direction they take it. And everyone had feelings about the ending of Remake. Um, so and to hear it sounds like there's like, you know, we're just going to do what we think what we want to do. And you know, having a lot of that same development team, you know, as they get older, a little bit more matured and understanding of like what the the, the assets they're working with. Um, I'm really happy to see that Seven is getting like this whole new, like basically rebuild of Ava type trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. Did you get to see any Zack stuff at all? Uh, yeah, I was actually pulling up, pulling that up notes from that. So we didn't see Zack in action, but they kind of reaffirm that Zach plays a big role in this game and specifically you know people were surprised to see him at the end of the end end, at the end of remake but in this game he is really going to be like a lens through which the player understands the world and they reference like as significant as the whispers are in remake Zach has like an equally uh very crucial uh part of the story uh in rebirth Zach's a whisper Uh, yo I know right yeah yeah, I don't know um <laughs> say that yeah so they all they just kept saying zach is immensely important uh to this game yeah. I mean, he, did uh, anyone at any point say zach is back <laughs> uh well we do in our cover story market, so. <laughs> okay so, oh, yeah oh, so somebody has said that <laughs> yeah yeah and it was, it was just interesting like the they are i mean they are really hyping this game up I, I toriyama i've got the cover story up right now and i remember him saying this at one point in an interview with toriyama uh he says quote regarding titles like the witcher 3 which has that open world role-playing type element we did some extensive research into these types of titles and looked at it as a baseline in which rebirth should be a type of title that can stand alongside it and have the type of content that would be satisfying to its players uh we, we heard several people reference witcher 3 um during our rapid fire, which uh, people can view in early January, um, we asked like what what Hamaguchi's favorite non Square Enix uh, RPG is, and you know we were kind of expecting him to, you know, do toe that line of like that PR friendly line of like, well, actually, I really do like Square Enix titles, and he just instantly was like Witcher Three, yeah. So like they they very much know what they like, and you know they're really they're really talking it up. It's like Final Fantasy is so like it's like it's, this one's like yeah Witcher and then 16 was like yeah, Game of Thrones you know <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> yeah. they 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 know their influences and aren't scared to share them you know I mean that makes me excited more for the side content than anything I think when I think of Witcher 3 as much as I love the the main narrative I think the biggest legacy of the game is making side content feel maybe more meaningful than it ever has in any ar- other RPG of like the writing and just the the sort of like uh, consequences from them so if they tapped into that at all for like making the side content and uh rebirth uh meaningful that that is super exciting one thing you you reminded me i'm sorry a lot of it's coming back to me now so we talked a lot about mini games uh on our cover trip but specifically we found out there's a entire collectible competitive card game called queen's blood in the game queen's and blood. throughout the the entirety of the game you will be collecting cards and building decks and um you know we we're like 
And so, I mean, it's like it's like Rebirth Gwent. Um, no, but I can't do this. Or their triple yeah. triad puts some can't respect get... on triple. Yeah, triad. Sorry, I was gonna sorry, say. Yeah. I was gonna See, ask. This is why. Any... This is why you're on the show. <laughs> oh, I was gonna ask if we have any triple triad people here. Uh, is that <laughs> is that the Final Fantasy Nine game? Uh, it, yeah, it's in nine, and it's also a big okay. part 14. of fourteen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. There was also the um. This was a different game, but eight had a card game. Eight, but, yeah, I forgot but what it's called. Yeah. But, that one was wild. I, I, yeah, I remember ignoring that in those two games. Yeah. <laughs> Good decision. <laughs> but yeah, there are like entire storylines around this Queen's Blood game. And that, that had me really excited. I probably asked him too many questions oh about the card. Game, but, <laughs> it's going to be Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Cloud's going to get into a tournament. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> I want to see it. You know, they, they mentioned uh, Chocobo Racing. They mentioned Snowboarding. Like they, are, they did not confirm that. Ah. Uh, um, you don't give that away. Lot. You gotta, you gotta save that. One. <laughs> right. Yeah, so they were like, "Okay, we gave you Queen's Blood, man. Like, leave us alone. <laughs> leave us alone." <laughs> but I mean, uh, we also saw. I don't, and you all have to tell me. Um, have you all heard much about the uh, chocobos in this game? Because we did get a look at. Um, there are various chocobos, like there are rock climbing chocobos. Oh yeah, that, like oh, let you let you scale walls. Some of them, one of them is kind of like a wa- has water jets. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. There's another that flies. That's that's in the original game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you, yeah like yeah. you upgrade the chocobos. Like the red one can climb mountains. Like the blue one, I think, can walk yep. on water. And so that's all happening within, um, you know, the op- the. They're not calling it open world, but like the open zone exploration. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was really cool to see the chocobo customization, like every side NPC we ran into had a chocobo that matched their, their, their person. And all of that stuff is like fully customizable. Like you'll unlock outfits and stuff for your chocobo. And that, that was really cool to see. There's a lot of like a lot of reasons to explore and complete side content. Uh, you know, and I think they said 80% of the game uh is side con like really meaningful side content according to them and yeah it just looks really good the combat i mean this is my first time seeing the game in action um we went hands-on with the tokyo game show build and then we were hands-off for um uh for separate side content um and we ended up going to um i'm trying to find her name that's uh, a new character uh Oh man, give me one sec. I'm, I'm speed reading. I see. So it's her. like she's and she's totally new because she's not in the original. Is it? Is that, no, I don't okay. believe so. Um, she's a new character. Oh my gosh, I can't find her name. But essentially, um, you know, she is going to be a recurring side character um, who is pretending to be a merc, pretty much, and ends up having to do all of her work. And she kind of is like a podcaster, radio host kind of oh, per- no. person personality um a real mary so jane go... from spider-man 2 <laughs> <laughs> yeah you go and find her and um and she like has you fight off a bunch of monsters um because all of her music is like attracting them and this is all around like the um the crow's nest area that i was talking about and so i got to see like a lot of uh, a lot of the side characters so uh red 13 of course was was fighting um Aerith was fighting Cloud, and then it was Catchy and, and the AI Moogle that Catchy. Uh, wait, wait, rides. wait! Square came out and said that his name is Kate Sith, which we all said that it was. Listen, 
Yeah, that's that's not how Hamaguchi pronounced it in the rapid fire. Though. They Ooh, tweeted. Really? They sent an official tweet that said yeah. the pronunciation. We, we that specifically said, we said, "How do you pronounce cat? How do you pronounce this character?" And we held up a photo of Cat She, and he said Cat She. And then the PR people around us were like. <laughs> <laughs> they just They're felt like their j- job getting harder in that moment. Like, yeah, oh, just boy. sent that tweet. What are you doing? I could tell they didn't like us in that moment. I was like, sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, did you ask so. if it's Revenge of the Sheath? Oh no, I didn't. I should have. Go That's back. Why you should have been fly back to Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I really liked seeing, um, you know, their various like vengeance mode. Red Thirteen has that vengeance mode where he fills up um like he has a guard mechanic and he the the further that he's like successful with that he builds up this vengeance mode which increases his speed and attack power um Kachi is like riding um Kachi can fight separately and has a lot of cool little tricks but then uh they can ride on top of a moogle that's like really big really <laughs> fat moogle oh and they specifically said they're not calling it fat moogle it's just a Moogle. I mean, it's fat. It's, pH fat. It's cool. Yeah, pH yeah. fat Moogle. Uh, um, he's wearing South Pole. Uh, <laughs> Sean John on deck. Oh, yeah. man. He's got a rock aware hoodie. <laughs> yeah. And the Moogle has like a mine attack where they can like uh, spread bombs across the battlefield. Uh, there was, there was, a, it was what, seeing that in combat, seeing that combat in action, that's when I was like, yeah, I, I really have to play this game. It looks so sick. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, the world looks beautiful. I, I do think like I would like to see them continue to improve like um, how the character like uh, navigates the geometry. Sometimes it can look a little, you know, uh, rough um, in terms of like a little jagged, you know, but I think I think with time, they'll. I don't think it's a huge deal. It's just like a minor gripe, you know? Um, but overall, I was really impressed. Um, they, like I said, they are all super confident in what they're making. Uh, I do recommend people go and read uh, the cover story that gets into a lot of details uh, from an expert on the, on the game. So be sure to uh, go. The digital issue is now live. So gameformer.com slash magazine. Uh, if you have a digital subscription, uh, you can go ahead and read there. Uh, there are also instructions on where to get a digital subscription there. Of course, you can go to gamesopscom slash Game Informer. Scroll down past our recent reviews. You will see all of our print magazines that are available for purchase. Uh, and about the next week or so, this Final Fantasy VII Rebirth issue will be hitting mailboxes and also hitting uh, GameStop.com slash Game Informer, as well as uh, GameStop stores. Uh, so you'll be able to walk in and buy one for $6.99. It is, yeah, I'm glad you call that out, Alex, because it is it is one in particular. Like, the moment we even, before we saw the art, before when we committed to putting Rebirth on the cover, I was like, this is one I think people will want to have the paper <laughs> version. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty so, sure yeah. it's going to set off every fire alarm at every GameStop once they arrive. <laughs> hey, that's not so. our problem. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, I, I, I can't wait for, for February. I think it's going to be good. Well, cool. Let's get into. Um, I, I guess I'll, I can keep talking. Um, <laughs> I've been playing the finals. Let me take a, sw- a swig of water real quick. Yeah, from Ooh, final fantasy to the to, finals. To the finals. Yeah, just yeah. Love it. yeah. 
Diversify your game titles, Alex. Play something. Play something different. Well, this one I think play I Final am Fight in. or something. You know. Mm-hmm. I do consider myself a finals expert. <laughs> uh, I'm reviewing the game right now. I don't have a score on it, but uh, I'm currently sitting at um, maybe an 8.5 or a nine. Oh wow! Uh, okay. Whoa. I I really really like it. I think it's a really strong game. It's so people who don't know what it is, it's a first person multiplayer shooter competitive um, that takes place in a game show. And before you stop listening, let me let me tell you what's cool about it. Um, So it's uh, like four teams of three in the main mode. Uh, You're all competing in this game show and you get spawned in and the entire like the entire map is destructible and like man you thought like battlefield did good levolution they have really taken it up a notch and like and the, i was talking to the senior environment artist um during an interview that's you can go watch on the youtube channel now um and they were saying every building is constructed in a way like they have to have supporting beams they have to have foundations they have to they have to make it a structurally sound building uh, so that when you destroy a part of the building, the physics react naturally. Uh, so they did like really study architecture and all that. And so um, the levels are all scattered across real world locations. So Las Vegas is in it. Uh, Seoul is in it. Uh, Monaco. Yeah, I was just is there. My favorite map. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite map is Monaco. Um, and and I didn't need to do more research on one thing. I think I've noticed that. There are multiple versions. I know there are multiple versions of each map, but one thing I realized is um, I thought previously they were randomized, but I think it's like Monaco in 2014, Monaco in 2032, and like the map uh, and the set dressing changes to reflect like the time period. Whoa, dude. Um, It's cool. But if they have F1 races in the background in Monaco. No, they don't. Damn. They do have jets flying over, oh. I guess. I don't know. That's all it's saying. basically <laughs> the same thing. Oh, it's a country. Yeah. Monaco's a country. Damn. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the traversal in the game is really cool. Uh, everything, all the characters are broken into three classes. Uh, there's the heavy class. Uh, he can uh, break through buildings. Like he has like this, he's just a, a beefy dude, right? It can literally run through walls and like tear buildings down. Um, and that's like his mobility. He doesn't, he's not really vertical all that much. He also has a giant sledgehammer you can swing and hit people with, or you can again tear more stuff down. Um, it's like teardown. There, yeah, 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 exactly. The game teardown. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. Um, there's the medium class who kind of fills a varying roles. They have, they can have a healing beam if they want. They can throw down jump pads. They can, um, you know, revive teammates. Uh, they they have a very wide array of, of abilities. They can place down zip lines for the team. Um, and again, like you could zip line up to a place, turn around since everything's destructible. You can destroy the zip line, and then the people behind you can't use it. Uh, and then there's the the third class, the light class. Uh, they can like uh, gr- they have a grappling hook that's really fun. Um, they can also go invisible if they want to or throw like temporary invisibility down for their teammates. Um, and like part, parts of the level, like uh, the light people, they're very small and short. They can fit into like like vents oh, uh, to escape to us. Yeah, to escape the combat. 
whereas heavies are can't can't fit in. So like they could if they have their their special up, they could destroy the vent that they could chase after them. But um, they'd have to like break through the wall and stuff. Um, but everyone has a primary gun. Um, you know, the range from like iron sight rifles. There's no gun customization. Like you pick one that you like and that's it. Um, aside from like cosmetic stuff, but, um, some, some are more inventive. Like there's the pretty much the prey glue gun is in this, um, the heavies have that. And so you can, you can destroy a building around you so that pretty much nobody can get up to you. If you destroy the floors around like the. Um, the cash out that you're defending, but then you can make like a glue wall for yourself and trap yourself in. So like people have trouble. There's a lot of systemic play. They were talking about how uh, I was interviewing uh, Gustav as well. And uh, Gustav Tillaby, he's the creative director and uh, he really wanted this game to be systemic in a lot of ways. He was a big fan of, um, you know, systemic games like immersive Sims and, and that sort of thing. And so like, in this game, you know, smoke puts out fire, fire puts out um, like poison gas, poison gas uh, gets rid of smoke. There's a lot of like rock, paper, scissors and all of that plays in with the destructibility um, and all of the interesting weaponry and stuff. And it's a really awesome, tense game. Uh, there are there there are so many like buzzer beater moments in this game because it's all objective based. Um, and the primary objective is you are loading on these maps with these other teams and then there's a a vault that spawns and you all have to race over and find the vault where it's a random location, usually inside of a building or on top of a tower and you have to unlock it. And, and you're, you're kind of like King of the Hill style. Like as it's unlocking, you want to be defending it and stuff. Uh, and then once it unlocks, you have to grab it. And when you're holding it, you, it's kind of like, uh, like a halo, a halo objective, right? Like you can't shoot and stuff while you're holding the objective. Right. Um, and then you have to navigate to a different part of the map to cat like put that in the bank essentially and the first team to bank uh two times wins and it's just like it's incredible strategy like it it feels amazing i love this game the more i think about it the more i'm definitely at at least a nine i think it's like one of the more inventive shooters it makes a lot of creative choices um like there are no secondary weapons that you that you carry you very much have to be um methodical and like i've got 47 bullets in this gun uh i need to make sure i'm reloading at a time that is advantageous to me otherwise i'm going to be stuck in my reload animation or or i'll need to pull out my rpg or my dome shield or whatever but like you can't just like run and gun like it it does take a lot of strategy there's a lot of moments where it's like okay they're defending the top the top building um and like they've really got it locked down with C4 and mines, let's go to the adjacent building and blow through the wall uh, and, and try to get in that way, a way that maybe they weren't expecting. Um, and that, that, that destructibility, that environmental destructibility really lends itself to these really creative strategies to the point where like uh, at one point in time, like we were, there are these floating platforms on the map that you have to take zip lines up to. And this team was just like holding it down up there and they were on the objective. And instead of continually trying to go up the zip lines and trying to fight them up there, we literally blew up the floor and we dropped the objective down two stories. And then it fell all the way, like six stories to the ground. That's awesome. And suddenly we, we were all fighting 
like just in the out in the open and all this rubble from the giant pillar that we had, you know, torched. And, uh, you know, there's like so many moments like that where it's like, man, we, we could probably do this in a more creative way. It's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy it. But like, that's dope to hear because like I played Battlefield for so long and when Battlefield started doing destructibility as not necessarily a gimmick, but as a like a core um, core piece of that game where they can flex their physics engine and add something that was like genuinely different from other large scale shooters. Uh, it got to a point where it did become a gimmick and like the destructibility didn't necessarily other than opening new paths within the map or just changing the dynamic of sight lines and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the extent to which destructibility affected those those the like the multiplayer dynamic in yeah. these games. That's how I feel. So um, it's cool to hear that this game is like not just using that as like, hey, we are the we're, we're former dice devs who built yeah. a built a, a living off of creating these games that have large scale uh, destruction, but putting that in the game in a way that is strategic and tactical because like I think a lot about Siege and how it uses uh, like how you manipulate the map and how that map evolves throughout yeah. a match, throughout a round, but on like a much more like Counter-Strike scale. So with the finals, it sounds like, you know, maybe there's like elements that you might see from Apex Legends, but it's not just that. There are things you might see from Siege, but it's not just that. There are former yeah. Battlefield devs, but it's not just that. So um, it just sounds like they're, they're throwing in a lot of systems for not for the sake of being different, but actually creating a new dynamic that you just haven't seen in shooters. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a great way to, to look at it. I think, you know, there is a version of this game that, that does, you know, if they had done a, a few things differently, it could have felt gimmicky, but the fact that you can, the objectives most of the time are in mo- in motion um, and in our physical objects that means that they are also affected by all of the effects happening. So like last night I was playing with Leo Vader and Jesse Vitelli and we had locked down. It was like at the last minute we were about to die. We had locked down the objective. This was going to win it for us. And we were just being converged on by so many teams and we were definitely going to lose it. And we had knocked down the objective box. Think of like a, a small solo ATM. That's kind of like what you're cashing it into. Jesse threw a jump pad on the ground and um and I at this point I think low gravity no it wasn't low, low there's also weird uh modifiers that happen like it can turn low gravity meteor showers can come down and destroy buildings or you uh, I think this was just like a regular a regular mode though so no there weren't any current modifiers but yeah all these enemies were converging on us Jesse threw a jump pad down next to the next to the ATM, but it's too heavy for you for like a normal person to lift or move. But I shot a rocket to the side of it and ended up bouncing it onto the jump pad. And we shot the objective across the map (laughs) uh, to where people can no longer interact with it because they didn't have enough time. And we won the game Uh, and stuff like that is just like this game rule. When they say like systemic, they aren't just like, that's not just like a back of the box, you know, It really does feel emergent in many ways. And like there are so many player stories, um, personal stories that I've had playing the game. It's like, man, this crazy thing happened where like, yeah, we shot the floor out of like this floating platform and, or, yeah, you know, bouncing the objective, which I had never previously moved. I didn't even know I could do that. It was just <laughs> like, a, let's try it. And it worked. You know, it just ends up being a very playful 
competitive game. I mean, that's super exciting. It reminds me of the reasons I love like Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom of like, yeah, yeah. The, the world is built to sort of accommodate any dumb idea that you have as long as it <laughs> makes like sense within the rules of that world. Uh, yeah. Of like, like you said, like, oh, if, if I try this logically, this would work, right? And the game's like, yes, it does. Uh, yeah. And see that apply to a, a multiplayer shooter, which I'm not a big multiplayer competitive guy anyway. Like it really takes something unique to make me want to stick around longer than maybe a match or two uh so like the more you've talked about it the more i'm like man i need to i want to play this yeah, <laughs> especially because it's free to play uh too like i we talked mm-hmm. offline of like yeah i'm gonna hit you up probably this week yeah absolutely like, yeah, me, show yeah. me the ropes i want to i want to yeah. see this i know i know alex told me you, you want to play with me maybe i know this is the, you got me i know you're the convert La- yeah. <laughs> last night i last night i was playing the heavy who doesn't i have no recovery if i fall off of the map and so i accidentally fell off the map thinking because i don't know all the maps that well yet so i was thinking there was a platform under me but i was like pretty much hurt like plummeting to my death at the last moment i was like oh i have a goo grenade and i pulled out a goo grenade and threw it against the skyscraper that i was falling alongside and ended up saving myself by creating this goo platform and then i was able to make more goo platforms with to like get back get back to the map and i didn't die uh, stuff like that. It's just like, it's so fun. I love that. That and all the stuff you mentioned before about the modifiers, like meteor. Like, I love stupid, dumb stuff like that in games. <laughs> yeah. That's why I play Smash with all the items on. Just like, <laughs> yeah. As much silliness as you can pack into a, a competitive experience, the better, in my opinion. So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. You, you've convinced me, Alex. I'm going to, I'm going to download yeah. it. Is there cross play at all or does it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it doesn't matter what I download it to. Nope. Okay, nope. cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is the finals. Uh, really excited about that. Um, look forward to my review. Uh, should be dropping. Uh, I think my goal is Friday this week. So day after this podcast goes up. Um, but let's get into it. I've talked long enough. Let's get into our top tens, our, our personal favorites of the year. I think we can probably just roll through our lists individually. I don't know if we need to like bounce back and forth, you know, each doing our number 10, each doing number nine. I think we just run through it. Uh, Michael, you are our guest. Yay. Let's start with you. Ooh, let's, uh, what's your top 10 looking like? Let's see if I can go off the top of the brand. So lock- are we counting from 10 to one or what? Yes. How are we doing? We should do yeah, we should yeah, 10 one, to yeah. one. Okay. Just wanted to, one. to make sure. Before chaos exciting. ensued. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I locked in my top 10 a while ago because our voting for GameSpot uh, was fairly early and then the way we do things, we have a whole process behind it um, before we announce our top 10 and then our game of the year. So I locked in my top 10 pretty early and I was like confident in uh, in what I like. I'm very uh, my list tend to be a little bit different um, just because like I identify with certain games very strongly more so than others. I don't necessarily my lists aren't necessarily reflective of what's most popular or like what's the the big triple A releases, whatever. They're in there for sure. But um, there are certain things I value in my video games. Uh, but yeah, uh, 10 is, let's see if I remember this. Uh, number 10 was Bayonetta Origins, which I. Yes. Yeah. Which I reviewed for hit video game website, IGN.com. Number nine was, oh, snap. Uh, I think number nine was Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erases name, who I, I'm a big yakuza freak so uh, that that is interesting this year because i feel like if you had asked like i don't know eight months ago like which one you're more excited about i feel like people would have said ishin 
Yeah. Cause yeah. like, it was like, yeah, it's overdue. It's this remake that we never, you know, we're, it's this full game, but like after the fact now, and I, I'm in that boat too. Like I'm not a, I'm not a big, like a dragon person, but I played guided. That was kind of my first true step. Into oh, the really? Series. Oh, yeah. I watched my wife play a lot of, uh, seven. Hell yeah. Um, but, and, uh, and I, I, I think it was just so perfect because it was like more bite size and it was just more like real they really like honed it down to like the best parts and then you could kind of get in and get out so i i ended up really enjoying it uh and, and having a good time with it yeah i think it's uh the the its brevity uh d- definitely helped in some some regard yeah, it helped me uh, for sure yeah. yeah i'm used to like the 12 13 14 chapter yakuza stories that go on for like 20 25 hours this one was like 12 hours you're done do some side content and that's cool you get a really strong cry your eyes out it. at the end you have a good yeah. time you know like yeah yeah for sure. Uh, actually, I'm starting to blank. Number eight was. <laughs> watch, number you, watch you go. Ishin is the next. <laughs> oh no! I got. It, I got. It, I got. It, I got. It. Number number eight was. I think that's where I put Tears of the Kingdom. Number eight was Tears of the Kingdom. Yes. Uh, then number seven was Baldur's Gate three, and I think that's the the thing is I respect the hell out of Baldur's Gate three. Uh, it's. Sh- like it was our game of the year at GameSpot, and I was like, yes, it absolutely should be recognized as game of the year. That was my I put all my money on it, winning at TGA. Uh, respect the Halo game. I just didn't spend enough time with it to connect with it in the same way that everyone else did. So yeah, it's it's like ah, it's gonna be on my list for sure because I, I I love and respect it. But uh, there's other games that really hit home for me, like such yeah. as um, such as my number six. Was that seven? I said yeah. Baldur's Gate number seven. Six is Hi-Fi Rush. And hell yeah, when I which I reviewed for hit video game website, IGN.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I when I play that because that came out in January, I, I when I played it and reviewed it, I was like, if this game isn't in my top five, this will be the best year for video games. And it turns out that that was kind of the case because it's number six, just barely uh, edged out uh, number five, which is Alan Wake 2. Yeah, Alan Wake 2 is definitely it's I don't want to say it's like a Yakuza game, but it's uh, it, it does ride the line between being serious and then having so many comedic moments that I think is that game is genuinely funny. It is probably the funniest game. I, that and Hi-Fi Rush are hilarious and they do comedy dip, very different style of comedy, of course, but the way in which they land their style, their sense of humor is so well done. And you contrasting that with how horrifying a lot of parts of those games are and how introspective the storytelling is with Alan Wake and Saga and the, having that reflective of Sam Lake and Remedy and their journey and connecting it all to the rest of their games. It's just a brilliant piece of video gaming, like from front to back, especially storytelling. Survival horror stuff I wasn't I was okay with. It wasn't the best part of that game personally, but everything else around it was just absolutely stunning. So that was my number five. Number four is Final Fantasy 16. I think my feelings are high, 16, honestly, comparably compare compared to others. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. It's it's really weird. My feelings of 16 have really evolved over time i think uh i talked to a couple friends about this but uh it's like the things that i loved about 16 hit harder now when i reflect on it and then its flaws are a lot more apparent now when i reflect on it so um it just kind of and i i still i love that game dearly uh for uh for what it did right and yeah i um yeah 16 was a really big deal which i reviewed for hit video game website gamespot.com uh, and then um, number three, though, is uh, a space for the Unbound, which is a. Oh, I missed this one. I really yeah. want to play. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Y'all gotta play that game. That's uh, I know. Yeah, Don't point at me. I played and finished it. 
let's go. Hey, Kyle's a real one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, well, hold on. Don't uh, don't congratulate me yet. It's not on my top ten. <laughs> oh, but I wow. really, but L, I did like L. that game quite a bit. It's it's quite good. Oh man, oh, yeah. Space Marine Battle. Yeah, you got no, buddy. Um, it's uh, <laughs> like it's important to me it's because of like how it uh, tackles like family dynamics and family trauma. Uh, and how you deal with it as a young kid. Um, listen, you know these divorce games are hitting hard, um, <laughs> but uh, but also uh, it's it is the quintessential Southeast Asian game. It takes place in Indonesia. So much Indonesian culture is went in embedded in that game. Indonesian developers, and it it reminds me a lot of the Philippines. And you know we're we're next mm-hmm. to each other, of course, in Southeast Asia. But when it comes to the, the environment, the language, the customs, the culture, the people, just being. And that town that it takes place in reminds me of rural Philippines. And um, whenever I see like Indo- Indonesian like language, it looks like Tagalog, which is the most common language in the Philippines. And I feel like I should understand these words, but I don't because it's just it's like Spanish and Portuguese. It's like they're so similar, but you don't quite understand. Uh, but I connected with that game like so much. Uh, Space Island Bound is definitely I will never forget that game for sure. But uh, yeah, number two was. Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. Wow. Oh, yeah. 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 Which uh, I reviewed wow, for really? video yeah, game number website. Two. Wow. Yeah. My number two, uh, that surprised me. I love Phantom Liberty so much. 10 out of 10 on GameSpot. Hit video game website. I gave it a 10. I was surprised that I uh, I came away with that. But You don't give those out very often. No, we don't. Uh, this year was, we gave a lot this year. <laughs> well, I, was about to say, I was like, there's quite this a few year. this year. <laughs> <laughs> quite a few this year. And but I there's also a difference between the difference between the single reviewer and the and the and the, and the uh, yeah. outlet, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, it was the second ten I gave. Uh, that and uh Persona 5 Royal were the tens that I gave out. But uh it yeah, and I don't give them out lightly, uh, but I think Phantom Liberty is an important game because not just for like the redemption arc of CD Projekt Red, I think that that exists outside of the, the content of Phantom Liberty, of course. So that's like not part, really part of the what makes Phantom Liberty interesting to me, but it is the quintessential representation of the cyberpunk genre when it comes to politics, how it affects people on the ground level, poverty, power dynamics, uh, it being a spy thriller, being a very personal story. Um, and uh, how you navigate relationships through, um, like through such a such a such a dark world, um, and the different endings it does, and how those the two routes towards the end like contrast with each other is so smart. I can't believe they did what they did with the ending of that game. And top of the new ending that you get for the main game, it is just a brilliant representation of the cyberpunk genre, and it's so powerful in what it doesn't say outright. Um, so that's what it makes it a much more powerful text to dissect. And I think Phantom Liberty is just such a brilliantly designed game and brilliant story that was told. Number one, Octopath Traveler 2, one of the greatest games of all time. What can I say? I talk about this game greatest all the time. Game of all time. Wow. One of okay. the greatest games of all time. I'm con- seriously considering Octopath Traveler 2 breaking into my top 10 of all time. Wow. I, I, I'm I'm a I'm a JRPG sick. I grew up with these games. Tell so. us more about that because a lot of Game Informer staff missed this one. Yeah, oh I started. Uh, and, I started and we're, we're, playing. We're it. aware that we missed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we were busy playing Sea of Stars. I think <laughs> uh, is what happened. I respect Sea of Stars for sure. <laughs> uh, I was travel too. Um, because like you you see the HD 2D and it kind of uh, evokes that nostalgia and what it does with that graphic style is also amazing with the lighting and the way the camera pans during certain abilities, whatever. So it's a very flashy game too. Uh, and it evokes that nostalgia, like I said. But there's everything else around it is 
rivals the best of this kind of RPG, like contemporary RPGs, when it comes to like the battle system and all the different tools that you get and how you break and exploit enemy weaknesses, um, the job system, the unique abilities that each of the eight characters have that tie into their personality and who they are, where they come from. Um, so there's so much more mixing and matching with the abilities and how you manipulate your turn order. And okay, this character is coming up next, so I'm going to tee them up. But I know that in the next turn, the enemy is going to hit. And I think if they hit this person, I can protect that. Just like that R- RPG, that tactical, cerebral level of RPG like strategy that comes along with these kinds of games. It is, I say, it is the best turn-based combat system ever. Um, it is, and I don't say it like, like uh, I'm playing turn-based RPGs my entire life. This is the one where I was genuinely on the edge of my seat, excited, just like racking my brain off. Like, my God, I have one turn to make this, this, and that happen. And then watching all those pieces fall like dominoes and defeating a boss while I'm underleveled, like that happens so many times. And it just brilliantly designed uh, combat system. But on top of that, it addressed like the, the biggest weaknesses of the first game, which a story that fell flat and characters that I didn't really connect with. This they basically said, let's go back to the drawing board and let's just redo this whole like the idea of these characters. And there's there's a stronger sense of togetherness within the party, but I think there's um, like the the theme of like capitalism and poverty is the core theme that binds all the characters together. And it's like it's it's not the most nuanced style of story that t- covers this theme, but it's smart and it it knows what it needs to say and it says it very plainly, uh, and it ties that into the the battles you fight. And it's different representations of that. So you have like a merchant who. Um, starts off as like this this tried and true capitalist and then through his story arc realizes like actually capitalism is bad and i'm going to fight it like in rpg form uh and it's just a really uh well-told arc it really emotional like characters you just like love and you identify with and when you hear their theme songs coming just like oh that's my guy but yeah there's and it's represented through like a feudal japanese uh like this like japan old feudal japan um section of the continent whatever and then some girl who wants to become a star like a star dancer and just like someone who is a scholar who was affected by the power dynamics of like the 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 university system whatever so the and the church like all all these different dynamics but they all tie together with one cohesive theme uh but also the soundtrack is like the last thing i want to mention it is one of the greatest soundtracks of all time not just because these are amazing songs to listen on their own but it's how they use the music when they weave character themes into boss battle themes and, you know, late motifs and story. there's so much storytelling within the music itself. And you like, they don't need to say what's happening, but you hear it. Like this is that character's theme tied into the battle theme. This is their moment. They are fighting for everything that has led up to this moment. And that's being told to me through the music. And it's just a wide genre of music, like Celtic folk music, Japanese folk music, uh, heavy metal, uh, like, your typical orchestras tied into heavy metal and just uh, this. I don't know. It's yo. I gotta look. I gotta look. I'm up sorry. This, I mean, I'm dog. I'm I'm very early in the game. Like I started playing as a the the what's her name Thorne the the like assassin yeah. thief girl. Yeah. And I'm like even just a couple of hours into her story, I'm like I really like I like this character. I like this story that they're telling. I want to see more yeah. of this. And again, that was one that just slipped through the cracks when it came out and like but even catching up in it i didn't really play a ton of the first game like i i wanted to like it more than i did but like this one it's i guess because of the reasons you cited like it's clicking quicker like i think the combat even in it's like early stages so far it's like okay yeah i like 
I like the strategy here. I like how fast paced it is. And like, I'm still like learning the nuances of it. Um, but like it, to, it's good for an RPG, especially turn-based RPG to immediately grab you with its combat because you're going to be doing it <laughs> yeah. thousands of times <laughs> yeah. over the course of dozens sure, of hours. Yeah. So yeah, to be on board with it early, you're like, okay, it's only going to get better from here. Like, oh, okay. That's exciting. Yeah. You got to use that two times speed up too. That too. That's also great. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, What are you guys playing on? Like, am I safe to play on Switch? Is that a yeah, I play on Switch? Yeah. I play on okay. Switch. Yeah. I ha- I think I actually. I think I bought the PS4 ver- or five version like, for my wife because she's like a big RPG player. But I, neither of us ended up touching it, so I need to. I think it's time. I, I've got Sea of Stars and Mario, and I've played enough Star Ocean. I mean, I've played so many RPGs this year, but I think I'm still in the mood. I think I could. I think I could. Maybe I'd give it a shot over the break. Yeah, good gear for uh, classic style RPGs. It turns yeah. out. Uh, I'm writing notes down. <laughs> okay. We were, we were tackling so many things. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to? I don't know if you want to point. You want have you or you probably want to take a talking break. I would imagine. Right. Alex? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And me or Al, uh, Marcus, you want to? You want to? Yeah, Carl, sure, you there? talking? How about you take it away? What's your topic? Oh, about? I was trying to drop it off on Marcus. No. Oh, okay, Marcus. <laughs> no, no. I can do it. Dude. I actually, I, I, I don't, I don't need to spend. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know if I need to spend a ton of time on mine necessarily because I, I do have a lot of like, just games that everybody liked this year. You know, I, my number ten was Jusant, which really surprised me because it came late at a time when I think uh, me especially all of us were like trying to play a million things. Um, and we were all like caught up in a bunch of other games and like Jusant was that, that perfect example of a game that's like, that looks cool, but I don't know if I'm going to find time for that. But, um, something, Marcus, I think it was actually, honestly, your review that like put me over the edge of like, I'm going to give this a shot. I, I'm going to give this a little time. And it was a game that was, isn't super long. So once I started, it was, it was pretty smooth sailing and I finished it. And it's this really just beautiful, uh, ultimately kind of moving, unique game you know there's not much like it even i know there's a lot of comparisons to journey that have been made there's a lot of video games where you climb things but Jusant does feel different mechanically uh in a way that is consistently engaging throughout though i didn't really like climbing the bugs i will i will knock it a bit for that i didn't find that as, as i like the bugs fun. i don't know i just find them kind of, you have to wait on them sometimes which i was kind of annoyed by <laughs> but um no i would i would have jump <laughs> right, yeah, and, and grab onto the next set. Yeah, like, Alex is I a good patient. He's a good yeah. <laughs> yeah, <maybe laughs> uh, My number nine is Cocoon, which uh, I I love. I know it's like there's a former members of Playdead. I love Playdead stuff. Of all the puzzle games I played this year, which is like Humanity, Talos Principle, Cocoon, Planet of Lana. Like Cocoon was the one that I oh at Viewfinder I would put in that pile too. Cocoon was the one that I was just the most engrossed with and enjoyed. Like the the puzzles were the right amount of challenge for me. And I like the ambiguity and strangeness of it so much. I like games where you kind of don't even really know what happened. Like that's that's the I, I really kind of appreciate those kind of narratives and games. Cocoon is is a particularly good one for that. My my number eight um is Wolong Fallen Dynasty, which kind of surprised me. Um, earlier this year I, I was kind of ignoring it and then I watched a, a bit of gameplay with Wesley here at Game Informer and I was like oh this is this is Sekiro okay I, <laughs> like it, it's so counter focused uh, that I ended up uh, playing it when it came out and finished it and like the other big Souls game this year was Lies of P and I and I, as much as I've enjoyed Lies of P 
but haven't finished it. I think Wolong was the one that just clicked with me more. I think I just liked the faster pace of the combat where Lies of P feels a little more, a, a little slower, not not in like a negative way, but just in the way it's designed. It's just a little bit more methodical and slow where Wolong is a little bit more get in there and stab someone and get out, you know, which is yeah. which is more just my speed. Um, even if I kind of liked Lies of P's um, style a little more. But um, yeah, good game. Uh, number seven for me is Chia. Which is just just a beautiful. I'm not even like I I am a person who plays video games and really likes a goal. I I don't. I'm not a person who plays games and just sort of chills in that world. But Chia was one that that really actually was maybe among the first times I've ever really done that, where I'm just hanging out in a world and having a good time and just exploring without a specific goal and like turning into animals and and doing different things like that. And then and then when I did want to pursue goals, I actually quite enjoyed the story and how strange it was and how dark it was and uh, and the music is so good and the art direction is so good. And it's just such a solid game uh, that she, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed. Uh, six for me, uh, Dead Space, the Dead Space remake. Um, admittedly, I just I really love Dead Space. I love that world. <laughs> just like I love a dark science fiction story about a weird religion that is causing a lot of problems, and that's what Dead Space Dead Space is. And the opportunity to revisit that uh, was a lot of fun. I mean, I I said at the time, and I stand by it. I I do think it is like maybe the best looking video game primarily because the whole game takes place inside this very industrial metal setting and video games are just particularly good at rendering that style so like the fact that isaac is basically you know covered in armor and metal and you're and you're inside this like scary metal contraption it just looks so damn good that game looks so good uh and yeah dead space is very good i i i i don't I'm very curious if they'll keep going and they'll and they'll remake two because two is my favorite. Um, but I, yeah, I just I really don't know if it was a hit or not. I I feel like Resident Evil Four kind of I thought ate it its sold lunch. pretty well. Yeah, I don't unless I don't I'm know. making things up. I well, I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. Wrong, who but. knows? Uh, number five for me, Pikmin Four. Uh, I've always I've always enjoyed Pikmin. I, like I've, I'm sort of like a passive fan of Pikmin, but Four was just this like just like fixed all the problems that I've ever had with Pikmin in, in a funny way. Like the using Ochi to control your Pikmin just like changed the whole game in a way that I really appreciate. And just like the structure of like how you could end up kind of spending more time in levels by going underground and stuff like that is just, it's just a very smooth experience that I really enjoyed. Uh, number four, Spider-Man two. This is a, a really good game. You guys, I don't know. I, just do it. it just plays really well and it's spider-man and it's you know, like it's it's paced so perfectly that it's like you just start playing and it's like you can't really stop until you've done everything you want to do I, I i really enjoyed that game and then number three for me sea of stars which i just kind of earlier went through my list of rpgs that i played this year mario rpg is kind of my number 11 i think uh, shout out to my RPG, but like of all the RPGs that I dabbled with this year, Sea of Stars was like pretty handily my favorite. Like, I I love Sea of Stars soundtrack, uh, combat. Like, it's funny I can almost say the same things Michael was saying about Octopath, but sort of put them on Sea of Stars. Like, it just clicked with me more. I I love a timed button pressing combat. Uh, it's a game that I played and reviewed and loved, and then uh, went and a hundred percent completed. 
through no professional obligation just because I didn't want that game to end. And I, I mean, it's very rewarding to 100% that game. If you are playing Sea of Stars and you like it a lot, as I did, I highly recommend you go and do everything that the game asks you to do. It's absolutely worth it. Um, I, I really adore that game. Uh, number two, Resident Evil 4 Remake. I, I, it's just so good, man. Resident Evil 4 is such a good game, and the remake is so good. It's they nailed it. Not <laughs> said. It's, it's like <laughs> it's so good. It's like, like it's like about it's the same way with the same things like I said about Spider Man. It's like the pace is just so perfect that it's like you start and you do not want to stop, and then more than likely you probably new game plus it because it's just so buttery smooth to just be shooting the ganados and, and making your way through that game. And uh, yeah, my number one is Tears of the Kingdom. Just somehow they managed to insert a revelation into what was already like one of the best games ever made. Like it, it benefits from taking place in the same world somehow. And uh, I just Ultra Hand is just incredible. Mechanics like that only come along once like a decade or something like that of just Ascend even is like playing games after Tears of the Kingdom I, I just makes me miss Tears of the Kingdom because I just want those things that I've gotten so accustomed to to exist in other games and then uh, just as the longtime Zelda fan just I love how that game concludes it's just like one of the best endings of any Zelda game it's just it's just so good yeah Tears of the Kingdom game not my, my game of the year for sure awesome uh, that's a good list, Kyle. Thank you. I, I'm ex- I like it. I like I like some of your your indie picks as well. It reminds me, like my as you all have been talking, I take notes and I'm like, oh, I need to add this to my Steam wish list and you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, Marcus, what what is your top ten looking like? Oh boy, this was this might have been the hardest top ten I've had to put together since I've been a game informer. This would be like my my fourth goatee discussion then. Just because of how strong this year has been, and there's so many like I, even now when I look at it, I'm like, oh, I probably take this off maybe and change this around. But I'm gonna commit to what I wrote. <laughs> and uh, number ten is uh, Street Fighter Six. I'm a big Street Fighter guy, but like I didn't play five at all just because of how you know badly it launched, and it was a huge bummer because you know I grew up playing Street Fighter two, and I adored Street Fighter four. Like I had a whole thing with Street Fighter four sort of life cycle with me and my friends and six from like the preview events that I got to play the game multiple times to launch every time it was like, yes, yes, this is what I've wanted. <laughs> and then some like the new characters are so much fun to use. It looks fantastic. I love the sort of uh, the graffiti art direction that they went with uh, probably more so than any other art direction they've done. Honestly, it just looks, it's just so much fun to look at. And then that, that world tour mode, is better than it maybe has any right to be <laughs> it's so it's so surprisingly fleshed out and it's so delightfully just stupid that it's just <laughs> fun to run around in there and it helped that i made my character john wick which just gave me an extra just dose of, of humor to everything <laughs> um but just the online stuff like getting to play with um friends and, and colleagues you know uh it, it just brought back that memories of just like having a good group of friends over and just taking turns seeing who was better and all that stuff it is it's a great game it's it's you know they they overcorrected almost on street fighter (laughs) five yeah yeah in in a big way so shout out to capcom uh my number nine is hi-fi rush yeah let's go love hi-fi rush it it felt like playing a really good saturday morning cartoon like it, it so it's you can't like not smile at that game like it just looks so nice like probably the 
like that and 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 Dragon Ball Fighters are like the two that go head to head. Like, is this the best cell shading I've ever seen in a video game? Uh, or like, I I it just doesn't. It just looks so clean and, and just colorful and nice and just the rhythm music mechanic combined with stylus action is one of those ideas where you're almost just like how how has no one thought of this because it's it's so ingenious but it makes perfect sense because there's always been a rhythmic element to games like devil may cry or or bayonetta and for like tango to and again and tango of all people too (laughs) i don't think you you would peg as the developer to sort of like crack that code um but they did and it's just you know as much as i would love another evil within i'm so glad that they did this first instead um it was and in a way looking back it was sort of the it definitely set the tone for what the rest of the year would look like in terms of just like quality and like pleasant surprises um number eight is sea of stars kind of echoing a lot of what kyle said but i'll add that maybe the thing that stands out most for me for sea of stars like i think this is the best playing jrpg even though it's not a jrpg but like jrpg style game i've ever played just in terms of like navigation like they make moving around that world which is something that's often not emphasized in these kinds of rpgs you know you're on a world map and you just go from point a to point b and then maybe you fight in a random encounter along the way but they make like the, you know adding platforming elements and climbing and having your weapons use this traversal like the little hook shot you get you just like oh i don't have to walk over it. i'll just shoot it to the rock wall and it zips me over and now i'm on the ladder and like things like that, where it's like I'm having as much fun just getting around, and it's not a headache, and it's not the, it's not the vegetables to get to the dessert of combat that a lot of it, that it is in a lot of RPGs. And like I said, on top of like the combat system being so much fun, and just from the time button presses to the strategy of like trying to line up the vulnerabilities that are over each enemy's heads. Like okay, like I can't just attack down the line; I have to attack in a certain order if I want to maximize and like. And then the reward of like, oh, they can't attack now. It's like just I cleared all their little symbols. Like it's so gratifying. And then the writing and the storytelling. Like I'm a huge fan of the messenger. (laughs) And to see a lot of that kind of like funny tongue in cheek writing carry over here with a really cool story. It's I it's impressive. It's it's a great game. And I see of stars. (laughs) It gets me excited talking about (laughs) it. 100 percent it, Marcus. Did you do everything? I'm still playing it. That's the (laughs) wild thing. I'm pretty oh, far yeah. in it, but I'm I'm I, I'm still going through it. But I probably will wind up doing that. And they got that DLC that they announced too, which is right. Exciting. Yeah, no, I'll play that. Number uh, seven, yeah, seven. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I liked Jedi Fallen Order despite its roughness, and obviously this game had a bit of a rough launch too. But this is one of those sort of sequels where, like, oh yeah, this is they fixed everything about the other one. Like this is just. They took an already, like, really strong foundation and they did their Assassin's Creed 2 of, like, making it just the, the best version of itself. Um, like, the combat, the the story, the the characters, who, you know, a lot of them I was already, like, on board for, but they're, like, more interesting in this game. I think the set pieces in this game are amazing, uh, including one in particular I won't spoil, <laughs> but there's one early earlier one that is just, like, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. Holy Jesus. Um, and also... You know, there's sometimes in games where they can do one relatively small thing really well that carries the rest of the game. And this game's version of that is that cantina that you keep going back to. Like in in the home planet, you go to the cantina and there's just this this crew of just interesting characters that you can talk to all the time. And they they 
change throughout the story. Like they'll have new things to say and they each have their own sort of backstories and like very small character arcs. And it was such a delight to go in there every time. It's like, I'm going to go talk to the robot bartender guy and see what he has to say about what just happened. And maybe it's just the performances and just the way they're written. But I was like, I really like everyone in here. Like, I wish I, wish I could just hang out with these guys. <laughs> <you know? laughs> like, these, this is my crew. These are my people. <laughs> um, yeah. The cantina was awesome. Yeah. A big highlight. So, like, just having that to look forward to after doing, like, a super cool mission where you just, like, tore apart, like, 50,000 stormtroopers uh, was sort of, like, the icing on top of that. So, Yeah. That game rules. Uh, number six is Bayonetta Origins, Cereza, and the Lost Yeah, let's Demon. go. I don't think, more than any other game that I've played this year, I, I feel like I've been the biggest cheerleader for this game <laughs> of Hell trying yeah. to tell people, like, no, I, I it, it's really good. It's yes. really good. And you don't need to like Bayonetta or, or to know anything about Bayonetta to play it. <laughs> like, you can go in completely fresh, and it is okay. Yeah, I went into this not with the skepticism that a lot of Bayonetta fans. It was just more like curiosity of like, wow, they Bayonetta 3 wasn't even that long ago. And they just turned out this completely looking thing like, okay, maybe this will be a fun little diversion. And it is so much more than that. Like it is a surprisingly dense game with a maybe my favorite story of the series, which I know isn't that bars on highs. I don't think Bayonetta, well, depending on who you talk to. I don't think the story is like the priority of the Bayonetta games as much as people want to complain about three story. It didn't bother me as much because I was like, ah, I don't really come to the games for the narrative. But this one, I was like, like telling it as sort of like a Winnie the Pooh style story, but still having some of like that maturity of the main series, but in a more like endearing way. Like that mix really stuck with me. And it also helps that the story is coherent. But, um, <laughs> but the performances are great. I think the... The oh, narrator, the, the voice the performances, show. Oh, some of the best voice performances of the year for sure. Yeah, right. like whoever voiced Cereza, just shout out to her because I, you just like feel for her as just like this young girl that's sort of trying to prove herself and having a hard time with that. But the narrator was like the MVP, like the, the kind old lady, like it really like awakened that old dormant, like like a uh, satisfaction of being read like a nice bedtime story with just her performance and then also how she also voices Cheshire but doesn't it's like she's not voicing Cheshire she's doing like an impression of what Cheshire probably sounds like and that just makes it even more like cute <laughs> in a way um and and also the combat being like it's not as combat focused as the Bayonetta games but because you're controlling both characters uh Cheshire and Cereza simultaneously with the stakes kind of brother or tale of two son style and the combat system revolves around that in a way that could have easily become like a giant mess. And they found a way to make it not only functional, but like fun in a way that the main games, I mean, the main games are fun, but they found like their own spin on that. And it made the combat encounters like something I look forward to as opposed to like, cause I like my main thing was like, I just like exploring this world and solving these environmental puzzles and, and getting more of the story, but like, oh my god, they they nailed the combat, which shouldn't be a surprise because it's platinum nester thing. But I just didn't think they would care enough about that in this game. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm Band of the Origins, man. People, check it out. It's I, I feel like it's a game that's getting slept on this year still. <laughs> uh. So yeah, I'm just saying you shouldn't. And again, don't have to be a band. Wake up, to play it. Yeah, wake up, everybody. Um. Number five is Jusant. 
a game that I reviewed. And that was funny. I, I knew I this game was special when I, I played like a demo of it for a preview that I did. And I was so enamored with it that I actually went to Brian, our reviews editor, and was like, hey, when this comes out, let me review. Like, I don't think we were planning to check it out. And I was like, let me let me do this. <laughs> um, and I'm glad that I did because uh, it's great. It's, you know, it's got a very singular focus and that's to its benefit. It executes the, it's climbing mechanics better than any other game I've ever played where climbing was an option. It's, it's one of those mechanics kind of like Ultra Hand and stuff in Zelda where it's like, I hope other games take note of this and we see this again. Like, it would be sad if this was like a one and done, even if it's, uh, don't nod, never, who made it, uh, only doing this one time. But, you know, it's a digestible experience. It's one of the best looking games of the year, in my opinion, just art direction wise. The music's great. And even though I think it benefits from its short runtime, there was a part of me that's like, man, I kind of wish there was like another mountain to climb. (laughs) I I just love the the climbing puzzles and like that that sense of like it's you versus the game. And you have like very minimal tools of how you're going to traverse this uh, this weird path. But it's also all that you need. And it's just about, like, how do you use it in a smart way? Um, so, yeah. Jusant. Uh, number four, and this is, as I mentioned before, this is, like, a hindsight thing. Like, kind of like you, Michael, we had to do our list a little earlier just by virtue of being a print magazine with a longer lead time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my four is Baldur's Gate 3, which would, if we if I was writing this list today, would probably be a spot or two higher. Um, but, because <clears throat> I just because I've played more of it since then. Yeah, but <laughs> I uh, I love this game. I loved it when I said it was number four, and I haven't finished it yet. But I played enough, and I'm a D and D fan, so that helps. Uh, yeah. But you know, I this is the first time I'd ever played a D and D game. Like I haven't played Divinity or really many CRPGs in general. Uh, but I just need to see how they, you know, if they done what everyone had claimed they done of like capturing that essence of D, and i'm continually finding that they have like i'm so enamored with like my party and how to make them as good as possible i love just walking around and just seeing what might happen like i don't even like to fast travel very much unless i have to because it's like i'm afraid i'm gonna miss something and i think i've fast traveled twice in 45 hours yeah even if something's like super far away it's like ah, it's fine i'll walk there i don't mind (laughs) you know it's like i might find just a weird even if it's like a chest that i missed it it, it'll be worth it um and it gives you an excuse to hang out with your crew if nothing else but like you know again i haven't finished it so i I don't know how it wraps up but i think just the scale of it and the this the ambition how the game just accounts for so much and it lets me put on my D&D's like thinking cap and it translates mostly over to this. I think it's commendable. And, and it's it's reminding me of the same sort of like epiphany I had when I was playing The Witcher 3 years and years ago when that came out. And being like, oh yeah, this is like, like every RPG is going to be judged by this now. Like this is the new benchmark. Um, I'm, I'm getting that same thing of like it, it, whatever big RPG I play after this is going to almost feel lesser through no fault of its own. <laughs> you know, it's just that it's like, man, I don't even know how other games can be expected to do this, which I know was a whole kerfuffle <laughs> and discourse around that. But yeah, uh, I, I love this game. It's great. Shout out to Larian. Um, my number three is Resident Evil 4. Uh, it's a remake of one of my favorite games ever. And they did it. Like that was the first 
work trip that Alex and I went on this year, like the first week of January was the um, <clears throat> Resident Evil 4 cover trip in Osaka. And I remember when we played that game, which I think we were the first person people outside of Capcom to play it. And I just remember wanting to kick everyone. Definitely, definitely a couple of the chapters for sure. Yeah. And I just remember wanting to kick everyone out of the room so that we could keep going because <laughs> it was so good. And I was like, man, I hope the rest of the game is as good as what we're playing because holy crap, I, I don't want to stop. And it is. They, they've done a thing where like it doesn't feel like a remake of that game. It literally feels like a Mandela effect where the Resident Evil 4 actually came out in 2023 and not 2005. Like That's how modernized it feels. But still keeping true to the original spirit of what that game was it's it's honestly like it's probably the best remake ever and that's coming from a studio that has done amazing remakes like i think the resident evil 2 remake is one of the best remakes ever um but i think maybe question yeah but i think the proposition of remaking 2 is an easier one than 4 because 2 just hasn't aged as well as 4 has so like that's like oh yeah that's not a hard thing to make play better but like you can go play OG4 now and still have like a good time I played it again before I, we took the cover trip and I was like yeah this is still fun but yeah to, to take something that was like damn near perfect and somehow make it more perfect Perfecter, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like how do you do that and and they did it so <laughs> great job Capcom uh, number two Spider-Man 2 I'm a Spider-Man sicko he's my favorite superhero P- love Peter and Miles uh and yeah you know even though this is probably like in terms of narrative it's the weakest of the three games it's still really good it's like it's weak because those first two narratives were super strong and that's you know one of them has to be last basically (laughs) uh but i i love the turns that they take with those characters i i mean it's worthy of commendation for making Harry Osborn like maybe the most likable he's ever been in any adaptation ever. <laughs> like he's a very hard character to to get right for some reason. The web swinging and the glide, it's probably the best traversal ever in a video game. Like it just feels so good to just get from point A to point B. Another game I never really want to fast travel in, even though the fast travel is a technical marvel in this game. <laughs> but like they make you not want to do it and like from the combat to just the 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 more interesting side missions and and then the venom stuff it, it's uh i love it it's it's just everything i want from like a, a spider-man open world game and you know who cares if they're still in new york it's where spider-man lives so <laughs> i don't i still i just do not get that discourse sure, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. where else is he supposed to go he's he's a new york go, superhero go, go to the bx go to the bronx yeah, like he's, he's just in la for some reason i don't know um <laughs> And then number one is Zelda. I love Tears of the Kingdom. I love Breath of the Wild. I love Zelda. And I, I don't know if I can articulate what I love about it as well as uh, Kyle just did. Um, but, I mean, it's a lot of the same things. of like a, a game that already rewarded me for thinking creatively and thinking outside the box. And then adding another mechanic that opened that up even more with Ultra Hand. Or it's like, I just love making dumb stuff. And not even a guy that loves building things in games necessarily, but they make it so easy to do to where it's like, why wouldn't you do it? And then just tinkering with stupid, dumb vehicles that like should crash and burn. Like you feel like the Wright brothers 
every hour in that game of like, I'm going to slap some sticks on some fabric and then theoretically it flies and then it flies and you go like, oh my God, it happened. That's how you <laughs> feel every, every time you do anything in this game. And I think that uh, the pl- the cool plane that I made should be hanging at the ceiling of the Air and Space Museum in D.C. Um, <laughs> just glued together. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just like green goo sticking out. <laughs> uh, and also shout out to the story stuff. I don't. I, I I probably care less about Zelda's story than maybe other fans. Like I really don't care about the timeline. It's all ridiculous to me anyway. But the from the Master Sword moment, which I, I think this is hands down the best Master Sword sequence in any Zelda game, and then like Kyle mentioned the ending, like they they got me a few times where I was like, I'm genuinely emotional about <laughs> this cutscene that I'm watching, and I I like that. So yeah, <laughs> Zelda, there we go. So yeah, that's my top ten. Awesome. Uh, I'll go through mine real quick. I, I mine is also going. I'm, I wrote up my top ten for. A website that I don't know if they've announced that they're doing their like guest top tens yet, so I'm not gonna say. Oh yeah, okay, I know. I know. But I will. I'll share it on Twitter and stuff. So I'm gonna do a little quicker. But if you want to read read, you know, my full thoughts, I'll be sure to uh, to share it on Twitter and places like that. But my number ten uh, is Final Fantasy 16. Um, Ralph Innocent and Ben Starr. I have incredible performances in that game. I have not finished that game, but I made it to like the the proper halfway point where like you see like a, the first full arc in all its glory, and it it, it just really uh, was incredible. the The combat, the way that you um, you know ad- adopt new abilities, and the way that uh, Square maps all of that to controllers uh, is it's just so fun. There's almost like an abundance, uh, an embarrassment of riches with with the powers in that game, like. It's like I I almost wish I had more slots because I'm still picking and choosing which ones I want to use. Um, but that's a good problem to have, I think. Yeah. I um, mean, I wish I had more goatee slots because 16 is my 11. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I had a really good time with that game. Um, you know, shout out to Masayoshi Soken, who composed that soundtrack while battling and beating cancer. Um, great soundtrack. Uh, great game. Um, my number nine is coral island yeah so i i love i love life sims um and it's been a while since i've played particularly a a farming sim um and you know not really since animal crossing have i have i really um dug into one and i i kind of missed the stardew valley wave when it first hit as well um so like when when coral island hit 1.0 in november um i i really dove in it's 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 practically stardew valley to a fault but i think like it doesn't push like that genre forward in like a huge way um but it really understands the fundamentals of the genre and provides like all of the boxes that you would want to be checked uh while playing a 3d farming game and it does so in like a very uh cozy whimsical 3d style um that's it's really a joy to you know despite the fact that it feels familiar in a lot of ways because of like it's 3d really really well done 3d art it feels new in that way and like uh you know okay yeah i'm harvesting blueberries but i want to see like what they look like and i want to see um you know what what the the cattle uh models are going to look like and like it's just is such a fun game at like slowly building up your farm okay do i want to spend my day 
uh, working on getting my chicken coop ready to go so I can finally go and buy them? Or do I, do I want to go and clean up trash at the bottom of the ocean so I can uh, work on my quest progress with that and get some other rewards? And all of this is kind of tying into this larger loop of raising the rank of the island, uh, its tourism rank, um, because it's kind of like diminished in the wake of like pollution and corporate greed. And there's a lot of the, it's pretty ham-fisted at times, but I do uh, enjoy its themes and uh, it's just a really fun game. I really like it. By the way, a lot of farm life sim games this year. Yeah, yeah. And I bounced off the other ones I played. Like this was the one that grabbed me. I don't, I don't know. I think it's just like really polished um, and really understands what it is. My number eight is uh, Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> I love Fortnite to death. It was a banner year uh, for the game, not not the employees who were, you know, Epic laid off 800 employees. I do want to call that out, you know, back in October. Um, and a lot of those developers put in a lot of work to make the game great this year. Uh, you know, we had chapter four kicked off at the tail end of last year at in December 2022 and that introduced the augment system um which is kind of like a mid-match perk system um that really made the game evolve and you know was a lot of fun honestly uh and like the, just the meta throughout that chapter 4 was really great we had like the battering ram uh the shockwave hammer we had a lot of good collaborations that people really enjoyed in like my hero and uh, JJK Though the map was a really great map as well with like some of my favorite POIs ever in Fortnite. Uh, and then of course, like we got Fortnite OG back in, back in early November, which brought the game back to, uh, you know, its version back in season one or chapter one, season five. And, you know, they, they saw record breaking success, right? Um, that was a lot of fun. And then we jumped into the new chapter five, which is when they introduced Lego Fortnite and rocket racing and Fortnite festival um <laughs> and you know the game's just like continually evolving uh, it's been a strong year for it so i i really i probably played Fortnite more than any other game this year uh and if it had come out this year it would be my number one probably but it didn't so it's it's way down the list it's number eight even though i play it like every day uh my number seven is the finals i don't Ooh. think i need to get into why i like the finals um perhaps if it had come out earlier it would be higher but, you know, I played a lot of it, of the um, closed tests and stuff for this game throughout the year. Um, but I, I was kind of hesitant putting it higher because it just came out. You know, it's got a long it's got a long, uh, long road ahead, I imagine. Um, and, you know, we'll save, you know, we didn't consider it for any of our uh, group game of the year awards or anything this year. So, you know, if it has a strong year, maybe we'll be talking about it next year as well. Um, but really like the finals. That's my number seven. My number six is Dusant. Uh, excellent climbing mechanics. Uh, you know, really great game. Uh, really manages to have a poignant narrative despite um, the characters not speaking words. It's just like shout out to the animation team, the the uh, composers, uh, you know, just everybody who who went into uh, making that game uh, great. I loved it. Uh, my number five is a game I haven't finished, but a game that I really love uh, thus far. Alan Wake 2. Uh, I, I really like Saga uh, as a protagonist um, and and just the way that she is, you know, that that every man. Uh, it served as a great introduction for somebody who didn't play the first game. You know, I kind of like Saga was this lens through which I, I viewed 
I have, or so far, at least in the narrative, I've viewed, you know, the happenings of, um, of bright, bright falls, yeah, right? Bright falls. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like from the jump, what a way to open a game, you know, uh, super unsettling murder mystery. I've really enjoyed it. I do like the survival horror elements thus far. I'm probably, I'm three, three or four chapters in. Um, so I got a lot, a lot of ways to go, but, um, really like it. I'm just scared to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard it gets very scary. Ooh, and scary. the first, the first arc was scary enough for me. Oof. Um, gets but worse. I'm going to keep working through it. And, uh, yeah. Uh, my number four, uh, is a game. My coworkers probably want me to shut up about, uh, but it's <laughs> friends versus friends. Uh, yeah. um, it's a genre bender FPS. Uh, it's my favorite indie game of the year. Um, you know, it combines head to head action, um, with, with, a card deck builder system um, and you get all sorts of awesome uh, card synergies. You know, um, I've, I think I've talked about it quite a bit on this show this year, but I was going to play um, Jeff Keighley's wrap it up music. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that the one you played that with? Uh, you was playing that with, with Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. On the, sh- yeah. On the discord. Yeah, yeah. 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 I love that game. Um, I think it's, it's rad and it's, it, it inspires me to make games. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's one of those games where it's like, man, this is just so creative. It's not for everybody, but it is so confident in what it is. It makes me want to get involved and in, and also make games, and, and which which I'm in the process of doing. But like, it really was uh, creatively inspiring to me. And the fact that it's only ten dollars on Steam, zero micro- microtransactions, receives regular free updates and and premium expansions. Like, there's another expansion dropping in January. Like, they've just continued. To support this game the community is very engaged i get matches like two times quicker than i do in overwatch um, like, <laughs> Dang, that's funny. the community is just dialed in on this game and um it's, it's so much fun i love it to death um and i will continue to play it uh into next year um my number three is a game i didn't think would even be on my list uh because i am largely checked out of star wars as of late uh, but Jedi Survivor, I tweeted that when I when I first played it, I tweeted out like it challenges my disinterest. <laughs> That's good. And uh, you know, it, it has incredible exploration and uh, really really compelling rewards. I mean, who doesn't want to equip a cow with a, mu- a mullet? Uh, all of our our you video make look like a real scumbag. Our, yeah, <laughs> our entire video review is my footage of cow a must of mullet cow. And there are so many comments like, how could you do this? And like, when I look at that, it's, that's just yeah. cow to me now. Was that disgust? <laughs> uh, Was it like, oh, how did you do that? Or how could you do this? How could you do that? Like, why Why do you have such bad taste? But <laughs> I, I think Cal's mullet is awesome. Um, you know, there, there are so many set pieces in this game. Like, I was trying to think you were mentioning the set pieces uh, early in the game, Marcus. I was just thinking like, oh, which one was it? Because like, there are countless, like... Every time I before so this game came out before Breath of the Wild before a lot of the big games it's like one of the bigger first games of the year besides RE4 and I remember thinking as I played the game it's like oh this is the best moment of the year in games right here and then I would play another five hours and be like nope this is the best moment and I just continued that trend throughout the entire game Uh, just like the the grand sci-fi backdrops that you are interacting with these larger than life characters in like it's a uh, I did write about this in my in my write up that people can read, but like, uh, it, it like 
evokes like these familiar themes like family and redemption, but it's all set to like these larger than life sci-fi backdrops, right? And it just pulls off space drama so well. I think um, this joins the ranks of like Mandalorian and that like this is one of the best Star Wars experiences um, out there and it, it, it surpasses what we currently see in the main trilogies oh, in yeah. the movies. I just think I think Jedi Survivor is up there with me with Rogue One and uh, and Mandalorian. It's like some of my favorite Star Wars stories. Um, it just takes you to so many places, and I think it's it's really well done. And I I must have lucked out. I didn't have hardly any performance issues when this game came out. I was playing on PC, um, and maybe I've just got a decent PC that liked playing the game. But I I remember like reading people t- having issues. I didn't have any. But maybe maybe that's why it's higher on my list than it is for others. Uh, I, I really adore this game. And again, came out of left field, did not expect to to like it because I am very checked out on on, on Star Wars and Marvel and a lot of Disney stuff. Um, but yeah, that's my number three. My number two is Tears of the Kingdom. Um, you know, it, it somehow surpasses the the you know as Kyle mentioned, like it was a revelation. Um, and you know, we all fell in love with breath. A lot of us fell in love with breath of the wild and 2017 for the way it like recontextualizes open world games and, and to see tears of the kingdom recontextualize breath of the wild. Um, it's just like, you know, you, you think of a sequel and you're like, how, I remember thinking, how could they possibly live up to breath of the wild? Um, and they did it. Um, you know, it's, I think the story is really the mystery that you, that you're trying to uncover throughout the main story and the scattered, you know, vignettes to, through the, the tears are really compelling. Uh, Ultra hand. We talked about it to death today. Ultra hand is just incredible. Yeah. I, I love tears of the kingdom. Um, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's a triumph of, of game design uh, for sure. But that leaves my number one, which is Baldur's gate. Yes. Three. You know, you, you mentioned The Witcher 3, or I think Hyam or Mark. One of you mentioned The Witcher 3 earlier. Me. Somebody on this call mentioned <laughs> The Witcher 3. Don't I claim uh, responsibility. It was Marcus. It was Marcus. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, I think it evokes... I haven't felt a game like evoke this strong of like a sense of place since The Witcher 3, for me personally. like It, um, in a lot of ways, reminds me of like optimism and curiosity that i felt when like playing wow for the first time or even like specifically like fantasy like reading and watching harry potter as a kid it fills me with a lot of those same emotions as i as i felt then and you know it's nice to have that considering like one of those things i no longer enjoy um but like it it filled me yeah like with just like curiosity i think it in a way Baldur's Gate 3 because of like how detail rich it is and how populated the world is with interesting characters and like really uh, characters filled with like subtleties and and nuance you know it reminds me of almost like I'm playing uh, MMO Um, like the characters are just so um, feel so alive and and the world does too Um, and, and, and it fills me with a lot of that that same awe that I feel when I see you know, people running around, you know, Azeroth, right? It's like, oh, where, where did they get that? See my friend's screenshots of like, where, where do you get that piece of armor? Like the the artists in this game just popped off. Like 
some of the best fantasy set dressing ever and just the the loot that you can collect it's just like it's incredible um it it i i say in my write-up um that i've got coming like it reminds me like uh i think i was originally thinking like you know it takes me back to this place and video games felt magical but then i was thinking about it more i was like well it kind of is just like enforcing the fact that you know video games are still magical and like there are games that come out that really changed the game. You know, Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild are, of course, up there. But, like, Baldur's Gate th- for me was such a surprise because I I typically bounce off of role-playing games. I've got severe ADHD. <laughs> I can barely make it through a Fortnite match without checking my phone. Like, the fact that this game captured me, um, uh, I, I think it speaks to, like, the, the, just the, the craft uh, that Larian has. And, like, they're just so talented. And I, I love, you know, the strategy that the game um you know really uh facilitates and like this like the 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 white knuckle encounters even though it's all turn-based just like man am i gonna can i pull this off Mm. and like finding ways to exploit like you know oh like could i like this guy this guy this big bad is just like in the middle of a speech or like you know all these people around him let me like drop a chandelier on him and just like start this fight like super uh in a super like bombastic way <laughs> it reminds me of hitman in a way <laughs> yeah yeah it does it's just so good i i i'm not done with it i'm in act three um and i'm about 50 60 50 hours in, 50 hours in um but i've got a long way to go but it's by and far my my game of the year um it's the game throughout the year besides Fortnite, that i just like want to c- keep coming back to um there's always something new and uh it's just it's a uh, work it's just it's i love it <laughs> i love it i love it i love it i gotta figure out what kind of Baldur's gate tattoo i want to get whoa oh, yeah. dude it's like that it's like that, that level i mean yeah, you're I with, thought... uh... also also i used to like rag on people uh and i'm sorry i'm sorry i apologize but i used to rag on people in like you know in a joking manner but like for like getting into video game romances, you know, I'm like, all right, come on, man. And then this game got me. Listen, let me this tell you about. Game got me. Let me tell you about anime girls. All right, this is the next step, bro. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> it it I I the fact that like like I got teary eyed several times because like my my ro- romantic um partner in the game was just like going through some stuff. Um, I chose Shadowheart. Um. Well, she chose me, you know. I, I <laughs> Just to be clear, Alex, I, I too have started courting Shadowheart. Yeah. I had a fling with Ly- Lizelle. Lizelle? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, she's an early fling. And then Shadowheart came over and, and, and then. And just wait. Pretty much wait, like yeah. uh, Homewrecker just ruined that. So. <laughs> I also like. Um, uh, I don't I don't talk about it publicly, but a lot of my friends know. Like I have a lot of like. Uh, complicated thoughts about religion after after working uh in that space and uh this game offers a lot of really beautiful commentary on what it's like to go through something like that in a way that i i I haven't seen another game tackle um and just the 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 writers at larian are just have a way of of making these these characters so human and uh despite it all existing in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but yeah, it's very good. Love the game to death. Um, and yeah, that's my top 10. Um, 
I this was a very fun segment. I'm glad. Yeah. I did this. <laughs> yeah. So this is the part where we make our top tens fight each other to see whose is the best. <laughs> we have time better. for that. No, mine's, mine's bigger. <laughs> no, yeah, mine mine's got twelve on it. But uh, yeah, that's our top tens. Thank you everybody uh, for listening. Uh, Hiam, tell people where they can find your work. Yeah. Uh, you know, I should have I should have asked you at the start of the show. Oh, it's, okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's uh, okay. You know where to find me. You can find me and all of my stuff at Michael Piam on Twitter. Uh, at hi michael on instagram i am currently i'm i kind of still work with GameSpot. i freelance with them regularly but i will be in and around these parts various websites starting in january because my the season for me is starting right in january with the kind of games that uh that i'm into with like persona reload persona 3 reload like dragon final fantasy rebirth uh, Seven Rebirth, uh, the Grand Blue Fantasy game, Tekken 8. There's so many games that are hitting right at the start of the year. I'll be on top of it, so you know where to find me. Awesome. Uh, be sure to follow the rest of the crew here. Follow Marcus at MarcusStewart7 on social media. You can follow Kyle at Kyle M. Hilliard. Yeah, there's actually a question mark at the end, which is... Uh... <laughs> I, I don't know why. No, I, I, never, no, I never hesitate. Yeah. I normally am on lock. <laughs> That's how you know I'm tired. I couldn't remember your handle. I never stutter on that. Um, and you can follow me at it's Van Aiken. Uh, be sure to go and if you'd like to support Game Informer, uh, pick up a single physical issue over at GameStop.com slash Game Informer. $7.99. Get that iconic Sephiroth cover. I thought it was $6.99. It's $7.99. Damn. I was wrong. Okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's $7.99. It's a good price. A good price. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, f- supporting physical media. Yes. Uh, of course, uh, head over, follow us on Twitch and YouTube, uh, twitch.tv slash Game Informer, youtube.com slash Game Informer. Uh, we've got weekly streams on Fridays where we uh, replay games. Uh, YouTube, we've got a lot of cool stuff. We got a new replay coming up. Yeah? Announced. Yeah, we're going to uh, do the... Le- Super replay? Super mm-hmm. replay, yes. Uh, the next one's going to be The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. Playing through the entirety oh, of it. It's awesome. Yes, Majora's for Mask. the first time. For me. Oh yeah, yeah I haven't yeah. Pl- I haven't played it either. Oh okay, yeah. yeah. Watch along. Oh, yeah, low key I the will. best Zelda. That's good. That's awesome. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, that'll be on on Fridays, two p.m. Central. Twitch.tv slash Game Informer. Watch archives on our second YouTube channel, Game Informer Shows. Uh, go listen to all things Nintendo. Our Nintendo podcast hosted by Brian Shea that releases every Friday. Uh, and shout out to our podcast editor Matt Storm, aka DJ Stormageddon great person go listen to their podcasts fun and games and reignite which is a bioware podcast uh, that's gonna be it for today thank you all uh for for listening for watching if you did send us a listener question and we didn't answer it's because we're gonna we're saving it for for a special episode coming up a uh, special we got some topics coming up that they just happen to really align with so that's gonna do it today we'll see you next thursday bye peace <laughs>